Hello and welcome everyone to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Jacob Sheckman and you're listening to our show, What To Be, where we interview inspiring people and highlight their careers. What To Be is a program provided by Your Future Is Our Business, a Santa Cruz County nonprofit dedicated to helping students explore careers through programs such as college and career expos, career panels, and other work-based learning activities. Please note the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future Is Our Business. The information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. All right, and today I am joined by my guest, David Wright. David, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Jacob. It's a pleasure. It's our pleasure as well. David is here to talk to us about his career with an education perspective. Currently, David is working as the Vice President of Operations at Elements Manufacturing, which I've only just now learned is sort of right around the corner from our, our K-Squid office. So, David, tell us, what, what does it mean to, to be the, the VP of Operations, and what is Elements Manufacturing? What do you manufacture there? Elements Manufacturing is a casework manufacturer. We do commercial millwork. And what millwork means in the industry is essentially cabinets, but it's not only cabinets. We do a lot of paneling and uh, woodwork, benches, upholstery, things like that as well. We, seven, eight years ago, um, stopped doing residential and we only do commercial work. And how, how did you find yourself getting into this job? Well, uh, it's a bit of a story, but I'll start way back when I was a young person. I studied um, at University of the Pacific out in Stockton, political science and Spanish, because I wanted to travel South America, Central America, and continue doing some of the public health work that I had done as a young person. And so I uh, studied liberal arts there, um, graduated, and went on to study public administration uh, at San Diego State University. And I got my master's degree in public administration. But, you know, as as often happens in life, um, it was not a clear path to what I wanted to do. I imagined I was going to be working at the United Nations or some uh, big organization like that. And ended up in Santa Cruz working at a manuf- local manufacturing company. And I'm actually very happy that my career took the turns that it did so that I could end up where I am now. And that's what I wanted to say to some of your listeners is that a lot of times when we're young, we get this idea of where our career is going to go. And for me, it was, you know, fancy offices in New York City working for some big organization. I don't know where I got that idea, but that's just what I imagined. Turns out that working at a local local business, um, in my, my case, doing manufacturing in a community that I like, is a really good career option. Tell us, I guess, what, what is it that you find very satisfying about this? Um, tell us more about, yeah. about what, what you enjoy in, in your job now. A lot of times you say manufacturing and it brings along a connotation of people, you know, working in a coal mine or something, right? <laughs> manufacturing is not really that way all the time for everybody. It probably is that way for a few people, but for the most part, that's not certainly not our business experience. Um, we have big CNC machines that um, are very safe, for one thing. It allows the operator to put material in. The machine does a lot of the work for us. Um, they're very efficient, and the result is that we have a manufacturing facility that's clean, 
fairly quiet. Um, we keep the dust down. It makes for actually a, a pleasant environment to work. There's, of course, offices. I'm, I'm actually in the office more than I am in the shop. And it actually means that manufacturing is um, a really viable place to work. It's an enjoyable place to work. And the big benefit for me is that you actually can put your hands on the product. You know, I've worked in high tech. I, I did the Silicon Valley thing for a long time. And what I really like about manufacturing is seeing the concept come in and at the end of the process, seeing actual tangible cabinets and panels and trim and all this stuff go out into the field. And there are things that you can put your hands on. And so it's, it's, it's very satisfying in that regard. Yeah, it's always really nice to to be able to see the product that that you helped produce. Now, let's. I wanted to go to go back to uh, your your education a bit. You was interesting. You said you went to study, uh, I think, political science and Spanish. It was. I did. Yeah. You know, as a as a young person, I was fortunate to participate in a program called Amigos de las Americas, and it's sometimes ter- uh, referred to as the Junior Peace Corps. And they train high school age people to go to Central and South America and do public health projects. So I went to Honduras, Ecuador, Bolivia, and Mexico and did a variety of things. I dug latrines, uh, um, vaccinated kids, and that experience was, was very profound for me. I really enjoyed what I was doing. It was challenging. I had to learn another language. So when I finished high school, I thought, you know, I want to keep doing that. So I thought, well, how do you do that? I'm not really sure. I'm just going to study liberal arts. I um, study political science and I improved on my Spanish. When I was uh, done with my undergraduate work, I was fortunate to get a Rotary scholarship that paid for a year of graduate work. And I chose to go to Puerto Rico. The reason I chose Puerto Rico is that they had at that time experienced very fast economic growth. And I wanted to understand how they did that and had a great time doing that. Ended up getting my master's degree at, at San Diego State in public administration. I really thought I had a, a career ahead of me in public life, public administration, government, and that type of thing. And, you know, things didn't go that way. I got married, had a baby, moved to Santa Cruz, and ended up doing other things. I did use some of those skills. I was the CEO of the local Santa Cruz chapter of the Red Cross for a while and director of the recycling operations that contract with the county for a while. So I have done some of that work, but primarily I've done technology and manufacturing. So as as you were going along this this windy path, as you've described, did you ever get any fear about, I don't know, even the thought of having to change direction? You mentioned you thought you would always be working in the public, and, and that's not how it went. Obviously, you are, you're happy, you're, you love where you're at. But was there at a point along the way when you had to switch directions that caused fear or concern? I don't know about the fear and concern, but I will say that I'm back at Elements Manufacturing for my second term. So Elements was founded in 1995, and I came in in the late 90s, early 2000s. I'm not exactly sure what it was, 99, 2000, something like that. And I worked with Elements for a couple of years, but right at that time, Silicon Valley was catching catching a lot of energy, and um, people were making a lot of money. There was all these uh, IPOs and stock options and so forth. And the young guy, I was like, oh, everybody's getting rich over there. I'm going over there. I'm going to go get a job in Silicon Valley. <laughs> and I did. I, I did the Silicon Valley thing for 10 or 15 years. And then eventually, after 
that and a couple other things, I came back to elements. I will say it wasn't, I didn't choose to go to Silicon Valley because of, you know, anything terrible. I just thought, you know, there's, there's gold in them hills. I'm, I'm going over <laughs> here um, and do the Silicon Valley thing. And, you know, the fact is, I didn't really find the same job satisfaction doing a lot of the administrative work in in the technology industry as I do in my current job. And uh, so, so about four years ago, I came back. Can, can you talk about some of the, the administrative work that you had to do that and, and why you didn't like it as much? You know, I was doing what they call typically channel management. So you're managed. So I work for Yamaha, for example, really good company. You know, I was doing what they call channel management and it's okay. It's good. I liked it. It was all right. But you never really saw a product. You didn't have much impact on the things that were actually being produced. You were essentially um, kind of a middleman helping product to get out into the channel. And it was okay. And I did those types of jobs for a while up there. I liked it. Yeah. But for me, at least, a little bit better to be hands-on um, mm-hmm. on some of the things you're working on. So right now, for example, on my job, I get to do a little drafting, right? Using CAD to actually draw what the product's going to look like can you describe describe what that is the the cad um i I, i'm familiar with a little bit with with cad software but for for our listeners what what is it that you're doing here with with these drawing software so we have a team of five drafting people at our company who are drawing commercial millwork all day long so they're using autocad to make line drawings of what these cabinets are supposed to look like then We've got real fancy software that takes the information from their drawings, breaks it down into parts, and sends it out to these machines so the parts can be cut and drilled and edge banded. Then people put it together. But that drafting process is is one of the early steps in getting the product manufactured. Now, the way I do drafting is uh, a little different. I get the weird projects. So, like, you get a weird shaped countertop or, you know, organic shapes, strange things. I typically get those things and I like it, right? Because it's kind of got figured out, but drafting is a very satisfying part of the manufacturing process. And young people that have good technology skills and wanted to get into a manufacturing field, I would definitely look at learning AutoCAD and um, getting those skills. Pays okay. Um, It's pretty fun to do. And, um, you know, if you've got some intermediate level computer skills, uh, learning how to draw with AutoCAD is, is really not that hard. How did you learn how to draw in AutoCAD? I, I imagine maybe studying political science in Spanish wasn't what introduced you to that. <laughs> no, I learned it at Elements. You know, it's one of those skills that at this business, you just, you're, you're just going to pick it up. Um, as time goes on, instead of giving it to somebody else to do it, you're going to say, uh, you know, actually, I think I can draw this. That's not that hard. And little by little, your skills get better and, and you know, you can, you can do the drawings you need to. The hard part always is getting your drawing to the machine with the right type of material and making sure that every single little detail is right. Um, but you know, we have ways of making that happen, but I just learned it on the job. I didn't take it. Actually, that's not true. I did take a class now that you, (laughs) I took a class at Cabrillo. Cabrillo has a really good CAD department. So if anybody was looking for an interesting class, 
uh, class to take. Uh, I strongly recommend the, the class at Cabrillo. I'd forgotten I took that class a few years ago. I, I taught myself a little bit uh, in terms of CAD draw. I, I would use Tinkercad online. Uh, it oh, yeah. was a, It was a nice, easy, easy to pick up tool for, for anyone who wants to just jump on their web browser and try it out. It's how I 3D printed some a few things. It was very fun. Yeah, that's another thing is, you know, the whole maker science uh, of being a maker has really become popular in 3D printing and all these other ways of manufacturing things that you can, a lot of these things you can do in your home now, tie into that. So people who have good creative and artistic skills, it's, it's certainly something to consider in your career path. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and today we're speaking with David Wright and learning about his career journey to becoming the Vice President of Operations at Elements Manufacturing. Let's keep talking about your current job now as VP of Ops at Elements. What's it like in, in a normal world, everything is open and you can shake hands comfortably. What's a typical workday for, for you like? For me, it's very diverse. So I'm the vice president of operations, and my job is to make sure that everything is going smoothly all the time. Um, And keep in mind, we have a very complicated process. We're talking about high-rise buildings in Silicon Valley that are getting renovated, and so they've torn out, you know, the third, fourth, and fifth floor. Now they're putting in new floors, new carpeting, new lighting, new plumbing, new walls, all kinds of stuff. And the last trade to go in usually is the millwork, meaning the cabinets. So once most of the structural stuff is in, we've got field supervisors who go out and measure very carefully. They get good uh, hand measurements. And these are basically paper, just hand paper drawings that they've made with a lot of measurements uh, on them. They come back, they give them to our drafting people. The drafting people then make drawings. They go, the drawings go back to the contractor so that the contractor and the owner can approve of what we've drawn and say, mm-hmm. yeah, that looks right, or no, no, make this longer or make that taller or whatever. Once that's all approved, the business part of it, then um, we go ahead and order materials. And once every all of that's in, um, in order, then we go ahead and send that information out to these large CNC machines that cut the material for us. Our guys then take it, put it together put it on trucks, ship it back to Silicon Valley where we have installers then that put the, put the uh, cabinets in. There is a lot of opportunity to make mistakes in that process where I've just described. The goal is to make sure that you weeded out all the mistakes and, and, and make a process that helps you eliminate mistakes, that helps people not make mistakes while they're doing that. Of course, people always do make mistakes. Um, but if you've got a good process, somebody along the way is going to catch that mistake. And we have learned over the years how to make money by not making mistakes. Because when you make a mistake, you kill the margin on your job, and you can end up doing you can end up doing a big job and losing money on it if you make mistakes. So you really can't make mistakes. So how do you make sure you're not making mistakes? Well, first off, you make a really good process, and make sure that the whole process that I just now described. People can do that easily. You've taken all the friction out and that they can do what they need to do. Part of that means keeping your digital infrastructure working, right? So the way people communicate, the way software works, the way people draw, the way people send information out into the shop or back into the field, 
all of that has got to be pretty much seamless. Uh, if it's not, people are calling you saying, hey, my, my software doesn't work. I can't do my job. <laughs> so that's my primary objective. Um, <laughs> I do manage some small projects. You know, I'll, I'll bid jobs like a project manager does. I'll do a little bit of drawing here and there. But primarily, I'm helping people and helping the process uh, to be smooth all the time. And one other big thing, of course, is safety. We really focus on safety, especially now with this virus running wild, uh, making sure that people are safe around the machines that we use, that the machines themselves are safe, both the digital machines as well as the mechanical ones. That safety aspect is a really big deal. So I do all of those things. And for me, it makes for a really interesting job because it's so diverse. I'm doing so many different things at all times that uh, you know it keeps me uh, keeps me happy and entertained. How do you manage to to organize all of the the different tasks and projects that you have ahead of you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good question. It's funny. We are just now looking into a new project management tool. Uh, this particular one's called ClickUp. And uh, it's pretty nice. I think we're probably going to adopt it because, you know, at the moment, I'm just using a spreadsheet that's got four columns and I can sort on them. <laughs> and be honest, it's not a it's not a great project <laughs> management tool, but I've been using it for a while. You know, I've got a column for priorities. I got a column for what type of work it is. Yada, yada. And I've been doing that kind of thing for a long time and it works, but we really wanted to upgrade people. So we're looking at a a new project management tool that will help people centralize their information. Other than that, you know, it's a big server with a lot of folders on it. And um, so with regards to project management, we're not super fancy. Where we are fancy is in terms of our ERP, ordering materials, invoicing, all of that kind of stuff. Um, we're, we're real buttoned down there. I want to go back to uh, the sort of optimization uh, aspect of of your job and making sure things run efficiently and with the least amount of mistakes possible. If if you are uh, there's a a project uh, that you're taking care of and somewhere along this long complicated process, uh, some kind of mistake does pop up. What's mm -hmm. I mean I I just can't imagine how how many different possible mistakes there are. So this is a very broad question. But if, if you yeah. can give an example of something going wrong and what, what do you do to, to put everything back on the right track? Yeah, well, I'll say there's kind of two, two, I'll give you two general buckets of, of, of things that can go wrong. One is somebody just made a mistake. We got a wrong dimension or something like that. And a cabinet's not the right size. Our process usually helps us to identify that, meaning, once we make drawings, the draft person is going to say, hey, this doesn't fit. Or it gets through drafting, then the contractor looks at it and says, hey, this isn't going to fit. Um, or once it gets to manufacture, before, hopefully before we cut anything, somebody says, hey, this isn't going to fit. That would be one type of mistake. <clears throat> We've got so many checks along the way that it's rare that that happens. When it does, it's important, A, to fix the mistake, but more importantly is to find out why did this mistake happen. Uh, so that's one kind of mistake. The other thing, which isn't really a mistake, it's just, you know, these things happen, is if a machine goes down, it can stop your whole operation. <clears throat> and this just happened uh, earlier this week. We've got a huge saw. It's called a beam saw. And the reason it's called that is that 
files get sent to this saw and it's computerized, right? It's a smart mm-hmm. machine and it optimized. Everything's optimized in terms of individual parts. You put the sheet stock in and this big beam comes down and, and moves the panel around so that the blade can cut the right size parts. Well, guess what? On, I guess it was Tuesday morning. It wasn't cutting correctly. <clears throat> it wouldn't cut a groove. We couldn't calibrate the saw. And guess what? The saw's down. And our operation depends on this machine, right? It, mm-hmm. it cranks out huge volumes of panels. Well, guess what? Hey, Dave, the saw's not working. That's that's the call I don't like because now it's down to me to make sure that that saw, you know, as quickly as possible is back working. And sometimes we can figure it out on our own what's going wrong. Most of the time, though, there's, there's a level of complexity on these things that you can't. Yeah, right. And um, so anyway, the manufacturer, I was able to get a hold of the manufacturer. They gave us an idea of what they thought was going wrong, which in this case turned out to be correct. It, <laughs> that was what was happening. We were able to take take it apart, find the part that was that was not giving us the right pressure on the saw, and repair that ourselves, <clears throat> fortunately. So that one went our way. Every now and then it happens, though, that machine will go down and we can't fix it. Somebody's got to fly out here from someplace at, large, at high expense and fix it. Those are high-pressure situations because when that happens, production stops. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you can have a bunch of guys who stand around waiting for material or, guess what, don't come in tomorrow because we can't produce. So that those are the high-pressure situations that you just don't want to have happen. So the way to avoid it, of course, is like, you know, routine um, maintenance schedules and uh, keeping the equipment as well maintained as possible so that that doesn't happen very often, but it is going to happen. And when it does, it's, you know, it gets your adrenaline going. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, anything that stops the flow of your, your production, that, that sound, I mean, I'm not even in your shoes. That sound, that would sound terrifying to me. Yeah, it definitely, it is. Are there, if you could list a few, specific hard or soft skills that you think are uh, are particularly helpful for for doing the job that you do now? Well, my job, so technology skills are increasingly in demand, and that's certainly the case for my job. Um, You you need to have pretty good basic PC skills. Um, meaning you got to be able to know how to use spreadsheets and basic database stuff. You need to move, know how to move files around. I think that's for a lot of jobs nowadays, maybe even most jobs. Um, but it's certainly if you're going to be in operations or, or even in any type of manufacturing, if you're going to be on the office side, at least, you're going to need those kind of skills. So that would be one thing. If you um, are good with your hands, if you're a person that likes to make stuff, and you really don't want to sit in front of a computer all day, manufacturing might be a good place for you. Uh, there's a lot to be said for working on a bench. I was a cabinet maker when I was a young person, and I loved it. In fact, that's how I came in contact with Elements. I talked to Alan back in the late 90s. I said, you need a cabinet maker? He said, no, but I could use a guy in the office. How about that? <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Um, but I always enjoyed cabinet making because, you know, you're – using your mind, you're using your body, time goes by fast. And so if if a person has those types of skills, manufacturing might be the place for them. And then lastly, people skills. You know, the, one of the things that really helps business move smoothly is if 
if organizations can keep the drama to a minimum, right? You want people to get along, communicate well, help each other, those types of things. If you're a person who has that type of an attitude and an outlook where you're you're good at helping people to find solutions and supporting, you know, maybe provide a little leadership up front, but then come around behind to help support them and give, give them what they need. That's a really important qualification because uh, you, if you can kind of dissipate some of the the unhappiness that some pe- sometimes people experience in the work- workplace and make it easier and smoother for them to do their work, uh, things can really operate a lot more efficiently. So if you've got that type of a personality, you know that might be a good might be a good fit for you as well. All right, wonderful. And and now in our last uh, couple minutes here, I, my last question I have for you is. Do you have any advice um, that you'd like to impart our listeners on with, with um, regarding finding their own career path? I, I particularly enjoy speaking with people who, who have a, a windy path like yourself, just because I, I feel like my I, I am in a, a a turning point in my own c- career path in terms of finding yeah. what I would like to do. And um, it's always interesting to hear what other people have to say about going through their own experiences regarding uh, working out those, those kinks along their own career journey. Yeah. Well, it's a very good question um, because the only way to find what you like to do and what you want to do is to get out there and experience some things, Um, which is my first bit of advice. If you can connect with groups like your future is our business that, can help you to connect with other professionals where you can ask a few questions, maybe tour their facility, understand what it's like to work in that business. That, that right there is a really big uh, way to start. Um, the other is to um, think about what your education, what's happening with your education, because the job market right now really rewards people with uh, specialized skills. You know, if you can get a little science under your belt um, and you know some things that most other people don't know, um, you can make a little more money. Um, you can be ahead of the competition uh, because you've got those specialized skills in terms of competing for jobs. So think about where you might be able to add some education to make yourself different, to differentiate yourself from other competitors. Uh, and then lastly, think about what you like to do. I think that's probably the most important thing is, what do I like? You know, you hear people say things uh, about, you know, try and make your career be what you what it is that you enjoy doing. And uh, I do think there's a lot to that. Uh, it's not always easy to figure that out because, you know, I like to do a lot of things. You know, I like to eat apple pie. But you're not going <laughs> to give me a job doing that. Um, so, you know, that sounds great, but it's not always as easy to, easy to do as it may, as it may appear. Wonderful. Thank you for that excellent advice, David. I really appreciate it. And thank you for coming on to the show today. Well, I appreciate it, Jacobs, and uh, and I appreciate having me. Thank you. Absolutely. My pleasure. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's career story. I'm Jacob Sheckman, and this is our show, What to Be, with today's guest, David Wright, the Vice President of Operations at Elements Manufacturing. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattoberadio at gmail.com. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM K-Squid Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays. Stream online at ksqd.org or visit our website, yfiob.org, for more ways to listen. Thank you and see you next time.